0: L-A-S The L-A-S Podcast
1: Network is an independent network of local creators based in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com Hello
0: everybody, my name is James And I am Sarah And And we we are are full full of of BS. BS Which is why we're starting a new podcast called A Load of BS We probably want to tell them what BS is though, James What do you mean?
1: Well, we everybody tell knows them, what BS is. No,
0: we gotta tell them what BS means. It's brand strategy. Everybody knows that. I mean, it could potentially mean something else. Like what? Boat snack? <laughs> Bucket sauce? I don't. I don't know. It's brand. Everybody knows it's brand strategy. That's what. That's, that's what I heard on the streets. I, I guess. Okay. Well, now you know. You can be full of brand strategy too. So if you want to be full of BS too, I would recommend checking out our podcast, which will be coming out every second and fourth Wednesday of the month produced by the LAS Podcast Network right here in Cedar Rapids. For more information, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. For bonus episodes of this show, ad-free versions of LAS Podcasts, and many other exclusive benefits, all while supporting local creators and businesses, consider subscribing to LAS Plus for just $10 a month. To learn more and get started, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. We all can be full of BS together. Come join us. I've been told that I'm full of BS a lot. It's true. I stand by that. That's from Moana, remember? When he's like, holds the chicken up, he's like, boat snack.
1: (laughs) (laughs) L A S. Hello, guys, and welcome to the Innovative Creative, where we help designers and clients better understand design using an alternative way of thought. I'm your host, Devin, and today we're going to be talking about efficient design. So efficient design, in my opinion, is the ability to mesh creativity and skill and um, product pl- project planning all into one. And it's one of those things that isn't necessarily easy to do. So I'm going to kind of guide you on the route in order to do that. So we got three things that we're going to be talking about. So how design can be efficient, why design will be never be fully efficient. And the two sides of design efficiency, which I said before, is skill and project management. So let's start with the first one. How design can be efficient. All right. So how design can be efficient. So. The thing that you want to do when it comes to planning efficient design is you got to plan out the project in a way that works for you, um, and your client as well. So the way I, that I've personally have done it is, uh, over years of experience was just pretty much just learning what clients do, and uh, not necessarily put them in a general general uh space, but more so just put them in a put them in a, uh, well, more or less put them in a general space. You take uh, the the main things that happen when you work with clients on a uh, long over a long period of time and you prioritize and uh, make it so that way that stuff is efficient. And what I mean by that is, say, for instance, I build websites with people and I always thought that building websites directly just, you know, written right into the HTML, doing all the little uh, building and all the other stuff. And it was the easiest way to go. But sometimes it's not. So what I've done to streamline the process so that way I know that they like what they see is I'll either start with a wireframe or mock mock-up to kind of like get get a feel of how those things are. So the wireframe in particular would be just more so the structure of how the website is and the mock-up would be just like the look and feel. Um, the mock up doesn't necessarily need to be something that is working or not uh, like or just working in general. Uh, It just needs to be something that the client can see so they get a general idea of how it would look like if they were browsing the website. That is how I would plan the project, and then I would take it to the HTML and kind of go from there as well. That goes the same for graphic design, logo design, all the other stuff. So there's a step-by-step process that you have to go through in order to create that. And your job is to take the client through that and make it known of what you're doing and then kind of go from there. And that leads me into my next one is uh, allowing time for creativity. So, when you allow time for creativity to happen when you're creating the design, you get better results over a longer period of time, or just uh, over a shorter period of time. If you're a uh, fast creative, I met fast creative people; they blow my mind, honestly. But for the most part, you allow time you you allow time for creative things to happen. So, say for instance, you want to go ahead and do like a long, long day of working on design and things like that, eventually your brain's just going to be like hitting a wall because creativity, although it is uh, always there and always around you, you can only access it uh, as much as your brain and your body and your uh, like physical being is uh, out there. So like you want to take the time out to take breaks, uh, experience life uh, just pretty much just put yourself in a position to take a take a break and understand how you could uh tackle this in a different way. You can be creative and constructive at the same time. And that leads me into the last one, understanding when you're not a good fit. So understanding when you're not a good fit. This is one of those biggest things that more or less is uh, a hard thing to do because. You want every project, but you can't have every project, and that's that's perfectly fine. You uh, you are a fit for a certain amount of people, and that's how that should work. So say, for instance, you get a client that wants illustration, but you do graphic design and web design. Uh, nine times out of ten, you're not a good fit. But there's some times where you can't necessarily tell if you're a good fit with the pl- uh, person or not. Client. So say, for instance, the client says, hey, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to go ahead and go through, like, I want to, like, do all of this. I want to do all that. If they tell you your budget right off, the, right off the bat, nine times out of ten, you're not a good fit. Uh, but if that's how you deal with your clients and you get a budget uh, right off the back, they tell you that, That's uh, that can be a good thing, too. It just all really depends on the context of the situation and how uh, how you're processing things and understanding what red flags are i can't tell you all the red flags only because uh different industries different red flags different everything but for the most part you want to make sure that if your feelings if like go with your gut if you think the project is going to be bad uh go with your gut and then just kind of go from there it's like i can't tell you how many times that uh my gut was right about clients and just not working with them. And I'm not saying they're not bad people. I'm just saying like they, we, we just don't click. If, if we don't click, then that's that's fine. And if we don't click, we're not going to come up with something creative. we don't come up with something creative, you're not going to get an uh, efficient product. So think of it this way. Uh, make sure that when you're not a good fit, you understand that, hey, I'm not the mo- the best optimized person for you. I think you can do better. And not saying that you're not a bad person or anything. I'm just saying that, hey, uh, we, we're not clicking. We're just, gonna we, we, I think there's just somebody better out there for you. So that's not a demeaning to you and it's not a demeaning to them. It's just more so just saying, hey, there's somebody better out there for you. You could probably, you'll, you'll find them kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that's all I got for how design can be efficient. Now let's move into the next segment, why design will never be fully efficient. So design will never be fully efficient because it relies on creativity and creativity is not always abundant. And what I mean by that is, like I said before, in the first part, creativity is always around you, but it isn't necessarily always uh, with you. So if, like I said before, if you're going to hit yourself in a wall with a, with creativity and trying to like Work on something, and then you just pretty much pulling like a twelve hour shift, just working and working and working, and going in and just doing all the stuff, and don't allow yourself to feel and do all of the things that you need to do. It's it's something that is going to hinder your creativity because you don't have time to think about those creativity think creative creative things. Can't talk today, uh, because it's just like it's not continuously flowing. Creativity is like a stream of flow, um. If it, if the create, sometimes it's like a, like a faucet, it always goes, but then like when you turn it off, you turn it off and it's, it's off. But like I said, it's always around you, like water, kind of thing like that. Hope I'm explaining that really well. I think the best way to say it is creativity is something that, like I said before, is all around you, but it's not something that's always readily accessible due to the human nature of the body um and that's something you have to take into account that's why design will never be fully efficient and that's why it's just kind of one of those things that you can try and make it as perfect as possible but since creativity is in a mix and creativity isn't necessarily perfect in a sense it's just not one of those things that you can't necessarily um uh fully stream uh fully not stream uh fully uh make efficient and The other reason why design will never be fully efficient is because life happens and that's okay. Um, Things that happen in your life that hinder creativity because you're in a bad mood, you're feeling grief, you're feeling sad, you're feeling anger. uh, Sometimes those things aid to creativity. Some people can work under those, um, work under those circumstances, but sometimes some people can't. And that's, that's a hindrance on creativity. It puts your, it puts your mind in a sense of either if you're a, if you're like one of those people that create when you're when they're angry, I'm one of those people. Um, it makes you feel like you're creating something, and then the energy created with that um, the energy created with that particular uh, piece is negative because you created on anger. And I know you don't want anybody else to feel that, but then again, uh, artist subjective just like design is subjective, and that could be com- mean completely different things to other people, but. What I'm trying to get at is basically saying that, hey, uh, if you're in a bad mood, uh, just pretty much put yourself in a position to understand that, hey, you need a break. Life happens. That's perfectly fine. And now, now that we're done with that segment, let's move into the next one, which is the two sides of design efficiency, which are skills and project management. So design efficiency in my opinion breaks down to two types of, uh, two types of styles and that's, uh, or two types of segments, I should say. And, uh, the first one is skill. I'll start with that. So skill, skill is pretty much just learning how your program works. Uh, pretty much understanding how like Adobe Photoshop or Adobe Illustrator or affinity designer, affinity photo, one of those programs, like when you design, you know how the program works, so you could be efficient at it, or you can uh create workflows and flows on in your program that makes sense to you, so that way you could be efficient at it and uh make your own like workflow better. It's one of those things that I particularly do. I design assets for myself, so that way I can consistently use them for other things, um, things that I know that can be repeatable, like buttons. Uh, what else uh form elements uh accordions stuff like that anything that i know that will be like reusable i'll create it and then like adjust it to the uh style that i need and that's one of, uh that's that's leading me into the next one creating in-house tools so like i said creating assets to put yourself in a position to create something quickly and efficiently is a great thing and sometimes that is limited to creativity because sometimes you have to adjust it and put it to where it needs to be right then and there uh but it really all really just depends on uh how you create those things and how easy you can uh change those things in order to match the design and kind of go from there it's almost like templating but it's not like templating because everything that you create if you're doing it this way is unique you 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 just changing it to uh, fit the brand of somebody else's thing. That leads me into the next one, finding the most optimal way to do stuff. And finding the most optimal way to do something is uh, something you'll learn over the course of designing and uh, just kind of like putting yourself in a position to just you know get everything where it needs to be. Uh, I know I didn't mention this in the beginning of the episode, but this is one is more so for the designers. Um, Clients, this will help you if you share it with the designer. So that's something that uh, I want you guys to do. If you're in the middle of this podcast episode and you want to uh, pretty much help designers in like in, in general uh, share this podcast episode with uh, a friend, family, uh, a designer and, Ask them what they think. Ask them what they uh, think about what the uh, episode is so far and then kind of go from there. Or uh, just share the whole podcast with them if you really want to. Uh, there's some good client tips too so you can share it with your client friends. Um, but going back to the next thing, uh, finding the most optimal way to doing stuff. So basically, what like I said before, you, you just basically have a, a stream of doing things over a, quarter, over a period of time. And you work with these people. And you feel, the, you know, the quirks of design and development. So you learn what to do and what not to do in order to pretty much get yourself in a position where you need to be when you create something. And that comes, all comes into the skill part and knowing the most optimal way of doing stuff. I can't tell you exactly what that optimal uh, way of doing things is for you because everyone is different. But take your previous experiences and just pretty much put them in a, put them in a place that. You can see it all as a whole and name the negative and the positive things about it. So say, for instance, your client, you have all your per- people on a client board. You have your client board and you have all the people that you work with and you put them all on a uh, board and you'd be like, OK, this client. Oh, sweet. He was easy to work with. Why was he easy to work with? Because he did this, 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 this and this. OK, maybe I should include it in my. Uh, uh, notes to say that hey if you want to be uh if you want this to be efficient, go and do this well or don't say it necessarily like that, but just more so just be like, hey, uh in order to make this process as efficient as possible, I need yada 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 from you because you learned from the other client. And you do name the negative things about it and then say, hey, uh what's a way that I can use what's a way that I can pretty much put myself in a position to be like, hey, uh we don't want this negative stuff. So how can I explain that? to my client in a way that boosts my skill and productivity so yeah that's uh that's uh pretty much it for that one but uh the last one is uh knowing when someone is not going to work uh, knowing when something is not going to work and conveying that to the client this one is a big one in my opinion um knowing how shapes work and knowing how negative space works and knowing how uh design works in the real world is crucial to how this uh plays into everything so knowing when something is not going to work for the client basically comes down to pretty much two things and it's really just knowing how shapes pretty much come together and knowing when the shapes don't come together uh really just uh broken down is really just those two in my opinion say for instance you have a triangle that you're trying to put a line through uh, or I'm sorry, a square that you're trying to put a line through uh, right down the middle at a 45 degree angle. And you want that to be down right through the whole thing because then now it looks like it's not a square anymore, but, or you can, or if you want that to be one of those things that is a part of the design, you'll take a stroke and then you put it down the middle and then you increase that. This is more so for the designer. So clients, if you don't understand what I'm saying, that's perfectly fine. Uh, but like I said, share with your designer friends and kind of go from there. But like if you put that uh, 45 degree, put a line in between a 45 degree angle at a uh, in a square and you increase the stroke of it, um, more or less, it's going to open up that and have that negative space there. But it's also going to take off the corner, which makes it looks like it's not a square anymore. So you have a choice. Leave the line out or uh, just put the line in depending on what you want to do wants to do with it it's one of those things where it's it's a paradox of choice um if it works for the client then go ahead and do it if it doesn't work for the client then don't do it it's uh but it really all depends on what the client's uh feel and brand uh is but yeah that's it for skill now let's get into project management All right. So project management. So uh, the two sided of design for project management, well, well the one side of design for project management, um, pretty much laying some ground rules for your project, uh, letting the client know um, in the most polite way possible of how things are going to go. So that way they have a idea of how things will go and they'll feel more comfortable working with you because you have a structure of everything there. Uh, excuse me, that depends on your workflow and your efficiency and design of how you want to lay that out. But for the most part, uh, like I said before, use your past experiences to put yourself in a position to create that for yourself. Next one is structuring the project in a way that the client can understand. That goes into the uh, first one. Um, basically, when it comes to creating something for, uh, from a design standpoint, Trying to uh, create, trying to structure a project in a way that the design, that the client understands, is one of the things that is kind of hard to do. Only because there's so many different versions of design, and you got to put it in a way that the client can understand. Like they hired you for a reason, and they know you know your stuff, but sometimes they want to understand it. So that's where that's where um, let's say uh, that's where the uh, years of uh, experience come into play or just watching on YouTube. Um, if you understand the lingo and you can explain it in a, like you got to be, you basically have to be a person that knows how to explain things in a way that your grandma can understand. Um, explain it like I'm five, basically. So take that, take that, uh, take that way of thinking and explain it to the client. Um, that does not offend them. By the way, I know I said explain it like I'm five, but sometimes when you explain like you're five, uh, sometimes that offends the person, and that's not necessarily what I mean for you to do. I mean that uh, explain it so that way a five year old could understand what I'm doing. And that's one of those things that's uh, like I said, it, it depends on your skill or um, knowledge based on what you know and kind of go from there. And if you already have a project um, laid out for your r- rules for your project laid out, most of this will be taken care of for you. That leads me into my next one allowing the client to see progress in any. Form possible so the way I structure my projects is uh through a Trello board I know some people like Trello some people don't like Trello so use what you're used to but the way I have it set up is each uh card has a label and the label determines what type of task that is so I have like web development priority uh content uh what else uh graphic design web design all those type of, uh, uh, labels. And then I have them in certain lists. So I have a backlog list, a pin list, a pin list. will so the client can know what, what, um, uh, the pin list is basically so that way I know where all my content is and the client can add content there as well. And it also has some, uh, client introduction stuff there is, uh, in that first, in that first list. So that way they know what they're doing. And then I'll have a backlog, which is going to be where all my tasks will sit if I'm not working on them. Then I'll have a selected, which is the task that I know I'm going to be working on. Then I'll be uh, in progress, which is self-explanatory, in review, which is self-explanatory, and then done. Um that's pretty much how the workflow goes. So it goes from left to right and it makes it so that way it's easier for the client to know what's going on, how it's going. And e- e- even then you could probably make it even better by adding due dates to the uh, stuff and start dates too, because Trello has that now. So it'd be like start date of this and then end date of this. Is this the time that we're going to work on this? And I do that for the clients so that way they have a general idea. I, also, I always let them know that sometimes it takes longer than what it's supposed to. So, uh, those dates might not be realistic, but that's the dates we're going for. So, yeah, there's that. Now, um, the last one is keeping in contact with the client and effectively conveying what you're trying to do. So basically just that. If you don't keep in contact with your client, then it's one of those things that just makes you like feel like you're doing something bad, but you're not doing something bad. Um, If you've ever been in a situation where you're waiting for a reply from a job and then you think you did something bad and then your mind just goes and wanders, that's what the client is doing when they uh, don't hear from you for a while when you're working on something. So just checking in with them every once in a while, just like letting them know, Hey, I'm still working on the project. I don't have anything yet, but I should have anything by uh, Wednesday or Thursday or something like that. Or just letting them know that I'm still working on everything. Um, people like to have due dates, but if you don't have a due date, then, um, what I suggest you would do is basically let them know that, uh, you're working on this project and it's taking a lot longer than possible and let them know that you don't have a due date versus just tell them that you're working on it. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Like I said in the middle of the podcast and at the end of the po- uh, end of the podcast, now uh, share with your friends and uh, share with uh, pretty much everywhere. If you would like to um, share this podcast, you can share it on. Um, uh, you can find the podcast at InnovativeCreative.fm, and you can find it on the Las Podcast Network. Which, by the way, you guys should support Las Plus. It allows you to get exclusive content. Uh, ad-free episodes and a bunch of other stuff so if you want to support support creatives like me in a growing list of uh podcasts oh uh, well, i'm gonna say a growing list because we have a list but it could be growing up to you guys up to people who want to you know uh support this but for the most part uh go to laspodcastnetwork.com slash plus so that way you can subscribe to the ad-free episodes bonus content and a bunch of other stuff um this podcast is produced and distributed by the L.A.S. Podcast Network. So, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, if you would like to, ha- if you have any other questions or anything like that, let me know. Uh, you can email me at design at devongreen.me. And like I said before, if you want to share the podcast, you can find us at innovativecreative.fm and on lespodcastnetwork.com. But, yeah, uh, thank you guys for listening and peace.